you are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Online on Fox Sports 983.com and ESPNAU.com. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're on the line on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Happy Friday from the nuclear bunker. <laughs> I say that jokingly, of course. Jacob Goins with me on the show today. Jacob, how you doing today, my man? Well, we are here. It's Friday, and um, Auburn basketball plays tomorrow. So, you know, there's some positive light going around Auburn in that sense. So, happy Friday, man. And then also, special guest joining us for the first 45 minutes of the show to talk about all the crazy stuff going on, Lance, back on the line. Lance Dahl, what's up, my man? I'm just hanging out, man. You know, nothing going on, nothing special happening. You know, it's just another day in Auburn, Alabama. <laughs> How are things on Auburn Wire today? Well, uh, we've been putting out some interesting stuff. Uh, just, you know, we've had we've had our hands full so far today, and I'll say... Um, probably my favorite article that's been put out is somebody mentioned something out. We will get into it, but somebody mentioned something about Matt Rule. And there is one particular person on Twitter that is in the Auburn sphere that really does not like Matt Rule. <laughs> and it was gold to see him take that article and run. So, yeah, it's been it's been a wild day so far, honestly. Well, obviously, there's a lot of news that we're going to be getting into. So anybody out there, if you want to call and give your opinion on what you what you think, what you know and where you see Auburn football heading or anything else going on in the sports world, make sure you give us a call here on On The Line, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. All right, well, let's address the elephant in the room. And it's not Pete Golding or anything about that. It's obviously everything that started last night in the Auburn sphere on Twitter, message boards, all that stuff. And I think it's best and it's most prudent to say what we know, what is public, what is confirmed, as opposed to getting into rumors. I think it's highly irresponsible that so many people have been running with rumors on social media or message boards, whatever it may be. I think it's highly irresponsible. And so we're not getting into any of that. And if you call in about it, we're going to shut it down because you don't know a lot of this stuff going on, and I think it's highly irresponsible for people to jump out there when lives are at stake, not just football coaches, but just anybody's lives involved in all this. I think it's highly irresponsible for people. But what do we know? There's an ESPN article where Brian Harson responded to attacks on his character, even to a degree called out the fact where he said, basically, you got to let me do my job, meaning that there's pressure and things working against him, which kind of lends the hat to what many people have said about the powers that be, if you will, being involved in the football sphere. Something else we know, there was an Instagram Live earlier today where former players, that was wild. Former players were coming out, I don't want to necessarily say attack, but former players were definitely not coming out in support of Brian Harson. Mm -hmm. And then there are also current players and some former players like a Chandler Wooten that have also gone public in support of Brian Harson, So there's a bit of a divide right now, even among the players, current players and former players, a bit of, of a divide currently right now. There's a lot going on, to say the least. And then to top it all off, the Board of Trustees meeting earlier today, 
Jay Goose comes out and says a very brief statement about how there's a lot of allegations towards the football program right now and that they're trying to separate fact from fiction at this point and they'll let everybody know of their decision when that time comes, whatever that decision means. And to break all of that down, Auburn, the university itself, had to come out today and give some form of a statement. Mm -hmm. They couldn't, obviously they can't confirm or deny anything because honestly they don't know yet, but they had to come out and make some form of a statement today. And I think that was the right thing to say from President Goosh. He said, look, we're trying to figure out what's right or what's true and what's false. And when we get that information, we're going to let you know. And when it comes to Harson responding and, you know, basically calling out the boosters, donors, whoever, he said, look, I've got to run my program. You've got to let me do my thing. And that's what we've seen Auburn struggle with in the past for so long is to not let coaches do their own thing. So good, in my opinion, it was good for Harson to at least get his statement out there. And he's, he has a right to defend himself on his, his character because, you know, like you said, anybody that's attacking his character, he said that's a load of crap. Now, whether what happens in the next few days or whatever and stuff comes out, then we can judge it based on that. And then with the players – it's pretty much a, a split right down the middle. And it seems like the players that are still on the team, they are in full support of Brian Harson because A, they came back to play for him, and B, there's a narrative change and a culture switch going on right now at Auburn. And I've said that since Brian Harson got hired. That's what's going on right now at Auburn. And a lot of people don't like it because it's not what they're used to. But I think it's a good thing. So the players that are still here are defending him. And the players that aren't still here are saying some things that they didn't like about him, whether it was a coach or as a person. Yeah, I agree with what with, with what Jacob said there. There's such a stark contrast between all this different information out there about Harson as a person, as a coach, and all of these different players. It's just so fascinating to see them not necessarily argue over it, but just give their differing opinions on Brian Harson, and to your point I think that's a, that's a really good point there just talking about how there's a culture change and it's been a shock and it's crazy how we're almost a year and a half into this thing and it's still a shock for some of these players the boosters everybody involved and Harson, like he said in the article is just trying to establish himself and do his job and and use his plan and so I think that while there is a lot of different stuff out there and we know some certain things, obviously, like you mentioned, know about what Harson has said, what some of the players have said, we can't say anything definitive about certain things until the board of trustees gives a statement, I guess, here within the next few days or something like that about everything. It's wild. It's a wild situation. I think yes. the best way to proceed once again, and that's why I started the show off with this, the best way to proceed is to lay out what we know, what is public, and to not get caught up in message board nonsense or rumors or hearsay because that's where you get irresponsible. Go with what you know right now and what we know. And honestly, if you like drama, what we know enough right now that's public is drama enough. Let's just be real. Embattled is the word that's being used with Brian Harson right now. There's an ESPN article out there where Brian Harson responds to all this and is saying his piece while he's on vacation, of all of all things, right? And then there are players. There's an internal strife with players, whether it's players currently on the roster against former players. I'm curious to know if there are players currently on the roster that feel the same way as the former players, right? And are those players starters? Are those players major contributors? We don't know. That's getting into things that we don't know. But once again, embattled is the word to use. And currently, there's a lot of strife within the program. I can't believe it's escalated to this point. Mm-hmm. I is, thought yeah. we were just talking about signing day this week. Yeah. No, it, it has taken fire. And 
social media has been a huge part of that of course last night there was a huge twitter space you know where you could join a conversation on twitter 2500 something people on that <laughs> today there was what 1500 people on that instagram live with yep. some former players current players and last night there were national writers in that thing so just there's just a so much information coming in from so many different sources and people but nothing is confirmed the only thing we know is that Harson made a statement because his integrity has been attacked and the university's looking in to some of these quote unquote allegations that may or may not even be real things. That's all we know. And I think the university's looking into why in the world did this happen? Why did this come up? Yeah. I mean, why in the world are 20 players plus or minus, I think the 18 players have been the transfer portal. Why sure. are so many players leaving? Why is there so much coaching turnover? I think they're looking in to see What's the deal? Why is there all this strife? I think that's what they're looking at. And we can give our opinion on what we think will happen and why they're leaving, but ultimately, nobody knows better than the players, and that's right. my thing. And that's why, in my opinion, I'm looking at the opinions of the players that are still on this roster that came back and are defending Brian Harson rather than the ones that either graduated or transferred out because they didn't agree with how he coached or how he treated them. And that's, that's just my opinion. Two things. First, you would not believe some of the names that were on that Twitter space last night. Like, there were all these different national writers. There were former players, current players, uh, coaches just from random places across the country. Like, so I saw people from Utah State in there. Wow. Um, it, was just, it was just wild how many people came and just sat in to listen about Auburn football. And I, I like what you said about just believing what the current players are saying. And there was a quote that John Samuel Shanker put out on Twitter, and I just want to read it. Go for it. Just talking about Brian Harson. He said... He is the leader I want to have in my corner. If you have a problem with his discipline, his toughness, and convention that he, conviction that he instills in his players, then get your entitled, selfish, and soft tail away from this program. And and to go back on what I said, it's not that I don't believe the for, or the the former players and what they're saying because sure. I'm sure they have something to what they're saying. But when you are listening to who Brian Harson is and who he is as a person and a coach and what you want on your football team, I think the current players are going to have the best opinion and the best thing to say about the per the current program in its state you also look at Chandler Wooten on three article earlier today actually probably within an hour and a half since it's been posted Chandler Wooten echoed a lot of those sentiments that John Samuel Shanker posted onto Twitter basically calling a lot of the guys that left soft yeah, and and that was something that was being discussed on the Instagram Live between all these different players that were in chat and then the people on live. I believe it was McLean, Smoke, Kobe Hudson, Lee Hunter, and then Seth Williams was there at some point. Um, and it was just uh, all these, all four of them saying, you know, Brian Harson doesn't know how to connect with us personally. Like Gus Malzahn knew my parents' names, and I, I guarantee you Harson doesn't. And different things like that. And then there were there were players in the comments saying, "Is like y'all just left because you were soft. You didn't want to." actually apply yourself you didn't want to commit to the program um it's it's just wild to see just all these different uh, opinions about brian harson out there i'll say this just all these different players on the live saying that they how much they love malzahn and how much they miss malzahn and if auburn if malzahn came back then these players that transferred would come back it goes back to what you were saying is like this is such a culture shock within the locker room that i still think we're seeing the effects of it obviously right now so it's it's just wild Number to call, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Phone lines are open. If you've got some thoughts, questions, we want to hear from you. Let's examine the current state of the Auburn football program, gentlemen. We've had some people throughout the week ask us, what's going well for this program right now? And I think this question now is more pertinent than ever 
Because this is kind of ugly right now. Let's be real. It's messy right now. And so I think let's start out with what's the program have going against it at the moment. And then in a few minutes, we will give what we think the program has going for it. So I don't want people thinking that we're just bashing the program here. We're going to give both sides their credence. But first, let's go. There is a lot of inherent negatives going on. So we'll start with that. I mean, there's a lot of obvious ones. This has been a crazy week for Auburn football in this program when you talk about the different coordinator changes, National Signing Day where Auburn went 0 for 4 and finished number 18 in the country in recruiting. Was the Austin Davis news Monday? Yes. Was that actually what? Monday? Oh my goodness. That's how dude. long this week has been and Whoa. busy this week has been for Auburn football. Think about that. Austin Davis left this week. Auburn went 0 for 4 on National Signing Day on Wednesday. And here we are Friday talking about whether Brian Harson's going to be at Auburn in the next three days or not. So all those things are obviously going against Auburn. I mean, you could, I mean, you could name probably 100 different things that are going against Auburn football right now. Also, I, I saw this earlier, and I wanted to ask y'all about it. So Davis said that he was stepping away from the program to take t- some time for himself this. and then to be with his family. He doesn't have a wife or children, right? That's, I saw that on Twitter. I I didn't look it up to confirm that, but Can't I saw confirm. that same thing. I'm looking right now, and it it does it does not appear that he does. Um, Interesting. So I and, and look, regardless of whether he did or not, I'm just saying like the fact that that happened Monday was wild, yeah. and and that the whole situation there happened, and he stepped away, and now obviously we have all these different things with the players saying different things, and all the rumors and allegations and stuff coming out. Those are the complete negatives right now for this program, and the fact I mean some people forget. It's like, well, we finished the season with five straight losses. I mean, we're, right, we're, we've yeah. been in a little bit of a dry spell here for a while. Blown so. lead versus Mississippi State, five straight losses to end the season. All those things. There's a lot of different layers. You want to wonder why Auburn's having a hard time recruiting right now? Just look at all this stuff circulating around the program. You want to know why Auburn's at 18th? Look at all the stuff yeah. that's happened in the last month and a half. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, if you're a high school player, I mean, no offense to Auburn. I love Auburn. But if you're a high school senior and you're looking to go play college ball, why would you go to Auburn right now? It's transfers, a dumpster fire. Transfers right now. Same Auburn's thing. trying to get offensive linemen and receivers in the portal. Why would I'm you I'm looking come to at this situation. I'm going, whoo, yeah. boy. Unless I just really like Harson. Right. In which case, I, I mean, again, I don't know him personally. So, but. Yeah. So, no, I But feasibly, all this stuff dies down in a month, right, by sure. spring practice. Surely. Once the, once the team takes the field for practice and every, whoever is here wants to be here, I think it may start to slow down. As long as none of this other stuff ends up being true and Harson could just get back to being the head football coach and just doing what he needs to do to get this team ready for the fall. Um, yeah, just obviously there's just so many negatives against this program right now. Something else to add to it, the roster structure right now. We've talked about negatives going against the program. We'll get to positives in just a second, but we've talked about recruiting. We've talked about all this drama that's happened in the last week. We've talked about coaching turnover also think it's important to look at the current overall state of the roster that has just had 18 different players into the transfer portal, young and older players alike. Now you have had a majority of the veteran starters that could have returned because of a COVID year. They announced their return. You've only lost a handful of starters to the transfer portal or dismissal in the case of Kobe Hudson. You look at that side of things, that's a positive for Auburn. But as far as roster structure is concerned, the offense still has all of its issues that it came into the offseason with, and I don't think any of them have been fully addressed other than maybe the quarterback position if we believe that Brian Harson can develop this room 
to give you more consistent quarterback play than we got the previous year. Because let's just be real, Bo Nix had like two solid games and that's it. And, and honestly, I think the strategy of going out and getting as many quarterbacks as you can and just seeing which one sticks is a good idea. I mean, if you can bring in three or four guys, it's great. Um, but exactly like you said, obviously the quarterback uh, position is still a, a question. The offensive line is still a question. Receivers. The receivers, I almost feel like it's not gotten better. It's gotten worse. Like since mm-hmm. last offseason where it's like, oh, no, we don't have any pass catchers. And now we're coming into the, to 2022. It's like not only do we not have anybody, but it appears that we can't get anybody, whether it be recruiting or in the transfer portal. We've got guys like Amari Kelly coming in, right? And they're going to perform, but they're so young and inexperienced. There's just so many different questions surrounding the offense. So that's definitely another negative. And to go on with that, you know, Brian Harson said in that ESPN article today, he said, nobody has got a better plan than me. He said, nobody's better for this job than me. And I, I believe him. I really do think his plan, he's got a plan. I mean, he's not oblivious. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's trying to do. But the problem is, and I think he's he's trying to use the, the, um, the transfer portal to his advantage but he's not trying to live out of the transfer portal but that's it almost also seems think like, he's very particular about who he wants in the transfer yes, portal he's exactly. not just going to bring some random guy in because he had 50 catches he's got to fit the culture he's got yes. to clearly based on what we've seen in the last 24 hours there there's some credence to that there's got to be considering he cares a lot about personality and some guys fit and some guys don't he also yeah. seems to it's not that he's opposed to nil it just seems that he is opposed to bringing in players that are simply here for the money. And that's okay because more times than not, not always, but a player that's looking to get that much money in the NIL, how worried are they really about winning football games? You know what I'm saying? Like, or, or and I wanting like, to become a part of the culture exactly, of the program. Exactly. And that's we talk about that all the time. That's Auburn's biggest thing is selling the culture, the family, and the university. Is that going to hurt Auburn in recruiting, though? probably it, pro- it probably, it probably will and it yeah it probably will affect him but here's my last point before we head to break brian harson understands he can't live in the transfer portal i think he's going to try and use it for some linemen and receivers he better because if not auburn's going to be done for but he knows the transfer portal can't be everything he knows how to recruit they do pull to top 18 class i don't care what you say that's good for year one and he's got a plan i'm going to trust him well positive things what's the program got going for it uh, well, I would say that um, every single time Auburn has had a disaster within the last 20 years, something awesome has followed it. So we it's could, a true statement. We could be trending up here in a, in a dramatic way within the next couple of seasons. I mean, does people remember? Do people remember what Tuberville did in 04 after all of the stuff that happened the offseason prior? Yep, yep. And then after the 3-9 and nine season, Auburn went to the Natty. I mean, here's, here's the positive thing for Auburn football. If all of this stuff ends up being not true, the good thing and the positive thing for Auburn football is Brian Harson as our head football coach. Yep, I agree. And and honestly, like you said, he's still trying to build a foundation. The fact that we were talking about this like last summer, like if he can just land a top 20 class, like that would be big for the state of the program. That would be huge. And here we are at number 18. That's I've been saying that all along. I said top 20 class is a miracle. And here we are. He's got it. He's doing what he needs to do in year one. I thought recruiting was a positive this year. As much as we've had some people disagree with us, I think that's something the program had going forward in his first class with everything, all of the circumstances that were stacked up against him. Obviously, 18 is not where you want to live. I said that, 8th in the SEC. I said that yesterday. Look, I am understanding that back-to-back classes in the middle of the back of the SEC is not a good thing for two to three years from now, four years from now. That is not a good thing. But... 
also think it's unfair to expect top 10 mm-hmm. with the circumstances that have surrounded him, right? And then you see what's happened in the last 24 hours. It's like, well, I think you can kind of understand why it's difficult to recruit Auburn at this point, especially with the coronavirus and all the other things that have circulated. It's it's very difficult on that front, and I thought he did a pretty bang-up job, and I like the players that are coming in. I like this recruiting class. I thought it solved pretty much all of Auburn's needs with the exception of the offensive line, and I still think that that is not a – I don't think that case is closed because the transfer portal, you can still go and find those players after spring and in the next several months. You don't know yet. It's February 4th. It's February 4th. We don't know how all of this is going to play out and what this roster is going to look like. I'm going to tell everybody, I've got this strange feeling inside, and I don't have any information on this. I just have this strange feeling feeling inside. He's going to be around next football season, and not that anything special is going to happen, but... I just kind of got a feeling that in about a month, all this stuff's going to have blown over and it's not going to have been a big deal. Do you know what we're going to be talking about? Basketball, baby. Basketball. And then after basketball, who's the quarterback? Yep. That, that's will, right. that will be the focus. That's right. I agree. And if you're out there and you have an opinion on this, Auburn basketball, Auburn football, anything else in the world, give us a call. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. When we come back, we'll dip into some Auburn basketball here on On the Line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins, Noah Gardner here with you today. Lance Dahl in the studio as well. Man, it's been a good 15 minutes so far. If you're out there and want to tune in or call in and give us your opinion, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Let's talk a little Auburn basketball, guys. The thing that is not rife with drama right now. Number one, Auburn men's basketball is playing a home game in the state of Georgia tomorrow. Making Athens their home, a six and sixteen Georgia team that does have a win in SEC play thanks to the Western Alabama school. Fourteenth in SEC play is the Georgia Bulldogs. Tom Crean probably not in the best of positions in his own athletic department currently. I feel very confident about Auburn's game tomorrow at Georgia, and there's no reason to not feel confident. Did you see the tweet that Big Game Boomer put out on Twitter? Just like the best environments, and then Auburn was in Georgia. That was so, so funny. But yeah, Georgia right now not in a great spot. Like you mentioned, Tom Crean is, uh, he's, um, if I'm surprised he made it to this season. I'll just say that. He's not playing well in conference play right now, 6 and 16, like you mentioned. And it's not necessarily the offense that's the problem, it's the defense. They can't put pressure on anybody. And I think we saw that whenever Auburn and Georgia played. They're 302nd nationally in defensive efficiency. I mean, these guys just do not get it done on that end of the floor. 346th in opponent two point percentage. Oh, my. That's 12 spots from last. That's, in conference play, SEC opponents score at a rate of 60 percent inside their arc and all wow. that's giving away that. two-point buckets man Dude, that means i could shoot like an average i could shoot like 40 <laughs> percent and, and just be decent that's incredible dude. Aub- auburn's front court is going to put a put a hurting on the bulldogs tomorrow there's just no doubt about it i mean walker kessler and jabari smith may combine for 50 points and i'm literally be i'm i'm being for real they may go for 50 points tomorrow the thing that impressed me most about alabama was the fact that they kind of had an idea how to guard auburn's pick and roll and i'm curious to see if george Georgia tries to implement some of the strategies that Alabama implemented because what they did is they used Keon Ellis to clog the lane and just make sure Wendell couldn't see it to get a lob up. Now we saw, I believe it was early on in the first half, Wendell just go up and then around 
uh, Keon Ellis to just wrap it, uh, wrap around the pass for a dunk. But I'm curious to see, does Georgia try and clog the lane and try and make sure that that part of Auburn's offense is shut down? Because you don't need necessarily need to have length. Like Keon Ellis was six foot six. Um, but but again, like I said, Georgia doesn't put pressure on anybody, so they may not know how to stop it. Yeah, and whether Georgia does, that's a good point. Whether Georgia does it or other opponents start to do it on the remaining teams of Auburn's schedule in the tournament, whatever, because somebody's going to have to figure out how to defend that. Because There's still the kickout option, though. That's exactly. True. That's what makes it so dangerous. I've been saying it all week long that Auburn should run the pick and roll with Wendell Green and Walker Kessler every single time down the floor until somebody can prove that they can stop it. And then, like you just said, Noah, once they figure out to stop it, boom, kick it out to Jabari for an 18-foot jumper, kick it out to KD Johnson for a three, Devin Cambridge, Flanagan, whoever you want to kick it to, get it out there for a three. It's, it's going to be unstoppable. Auburn's first go-round with Georgia, Jabari Smith had 12, Walker Kessler had 15, so they combined for 27 while shooting 12 for 21 from the floor. A grand total of two for nine from three. Thanks, Walker. But still a great effort from Auburn's front court in that game. Auburn had six different guys scoring double figures in the 83-60 to 60 win at home against Georgia. Tag them. And, and, and I, you've probably seen the comparisons on Twitter, but just talking about the pick and roll here for just a little bit longer, the fact that you know Auburn runs it so efficiently kind of has reminded some fans of the way that Trey Mason and Nick Marshall ran the, <laughs> the, the, uh, the option. It's like it's almost unstoppable. And it's so perfect. Like, and only a certain handful of guys are able to run something like that. Nick Marshall was not a quarterback, but he ran the triple option better than anybody I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And the same thing with the pick and roll with Wendell Green and, and Walker Kessler. Sure, it helps that the dude's seven foot one, but Wendell Green, he puts the ball on the money every time, and Walker Kessler finishes every time, gets fouled half the time as well. It's, it is. It's borderline unstoppable. And again, why not run it until somebody can stop it? With that being said, we talk a lot of trash. I have been quick to give Georgia credit where it is due, and it's not due in a lot of places. But in conference play, they are sixth in points per game. They are fifth in two-point percentage and fourth in three-point percentage. They are an above-average offensive team. They can score right. The defense is horrendous, though, and the offense, an above-average offense does not make up for how horrendous the defense truly is. Right, and in this league, you have to be able to play a semblance of defense because you look, 11 teams in the SEC are above the national average in points per game scored. You have to be able to play a little bit of defense to win in this league, and Georgia just simply has not gotten it done. That's the reason why they've lost, let's see, goodness gracious, that looks like they've lost, yeah, nine out of their last ten. Um, they are just simply not playing good basketball right now, and conference play is just eating them alive. On top of being last in the SEC at two-point percentage, they're last in the SEC and opponent three-point percentage. They're giving away buckets right now. Opponents shoot 36% from deep. We'll be back with more of On the Line. Lance Dawn joining us for just one more segment. Call in 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Thirty-three minutes into the Friday edition of On the Line, Noah Gardner, Jacob Goins, joined by Lance Daw of Auburn Wire and Locked On Kentucky. If you want to call in 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Of course, no shortage of drama in Auburn, Alabama. Lance, your take on everything that has happened in the last twenty-four hours. Well, I'll just say we don't have to get into it. 
I still, you know, for all these different allegations and things that were thrown out there, I still don't believe a lot that has been said. Even some of the things that the players have said about Brian Harson, about his culture, some of the negative things, I just have a hard time believing it. And so right now I'm choosing to look at the positive side of things as like, I believe that the fact that there is complaining about how hard he's making these these kids work and how the fact that they need to actually be disciplined I think that's a fantastic thing moving forward if he can hold on and if he can stay the head coach here for the next couple of years I think similar to what Jacob said is he's got that Nick Saban mentality right he's trying to make these kids actually work for what they want which is to win so I think that overall if we're able to keep him overall. The program is going to be fine eventually. But right now, the optics are just all over the place. Looking from the outside in, here's how I feel. And I've said this before of Brian Harson's mentality. Like, look, we're here to have fun. But the only way to do that is to win. Mm-hmm. And that's how it's got to be. And I think that's his mentality. You come into Auburn because we believe in work, hard work. And I believe that's what he thinks. And he truly believes that. And that's a, it is a complete 180 of what the old regime, for lack of a better word. Well, that's what we were talking about almost a year ago at SEC Media Days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or half a year ago, I should say. And there's no doubt. I mean, you can talk to any of the players or the coaches that were on with Malzahn, and that's how it was. Look at UCF. Th- yeah, those guys have a lot of fun. And they and they do decent. They do fine. But that's not good enough. That's not good enough to be consistently great at Auburn because you've got to work for what – you've got to earn it. You've got to work for it. And I think Harson is trying to do that and trying to – change this this culture that has been built and built up into Auburn for the last 20 years and I think Harson I mean he's got he's got a really tall task ahead of him and I've said it since he got hired he has the hardest coaching job in America Lance number 18 nationally in recruiting I want to ask you about signing day what do you think of the class the fact that we whiffed on all four three prospects that we we're looking at is not good I mean, that's just that's not good. But at the same time, like we talked about all the way back last summer, if we could somehow manage to salvage this situation and get a top 20 class nationally, we would be pleased. And here we are now with the top 20 class nationally. And some people are like, this is awful. Yeah. And everybody was happy in December. Yeah. It's like keep in keep in mind, like understand what happened. It's like, sure, we we we. We lost our last five games. We lost our bowl game, right? There are a lot of negative things going on in this program. It's going to be very difficult for this coaching staff to try and recruit out of that. Now, they put themselves in that situation by losing those games, right? But at the same time, it's season one. You've got to be able to try and establish some type of foundation. If you can bring in a top 20 class, that being your foundation, as opposed to what we were dealing with when Gus Malzahn left, with, weren't we like like in the 60s? Yes, at least the 40s, possibly lower. Yeah, it was it was abysmal. So the fact that he was able to bring it back to that point, we were at one point 15th, right? Or 13th, 13th. 13. We're all the way up to 13, 13 nationally. You know, we we whiffed on guys uh, on National Signing Day and that is what it is. But overall, I think you have to look at the product that was put out during the recruiting cycle and be pleased, especially with some of the kids that are coming in. I don't think any of those guys that Auburn missed on, though, none of them. Well, no, I think they could have been. Sure. Like, Trevante Citizen. Citizen could have been it, and it would have been really helpful to have Jalen Farmer, the offensive tackle. But 
You also have to look at it. Where was Auburn favored in any of those? They Just go weren't. and look at the crystal balls. Auburn was not favored. And Jack Pyburn was probably the guy that Auburn had the best bet for. Mm-hmm. And then Florida, the dude's favorite school, comes sweeping in like Miley Cyrus on a wrecking ball. <laughs> With a bag of McDonald's in hand. No, just <laughs> a scholarship a offer a for the guy. And that's where he wanted to go to school all along, and yeah. he finally got the offer. So that one makes sense. Trevante Citizen went to Miami. LSU didn't even get the guy. So that and that was the major school all along. Yeah. And that doesn't hurt Auburn. He went to Miami. He's not in the SEC, so you just move on from that one. And then Jalen Farmer was always a Florida lean. And then who was the fourth guy? What? Uh, there was a fourth, right? There was a fourth. I forget his name. Oh, Caden Story. Oh, and that right, one yeah. makes sense. He went to go and join Nick Eason. Yeah, and sure. we know why Nick Eason left to go to Clemson. We've talked about this. When your alma mater calls. You got to go. And it's not just any alma mater. It's a school that's won a national championship in the last five years and is loaded with defensive line talent. You go there. I don't and think w- Nick Eason left yeah. with anything to do with Brian Harson. I don't mm-hmm. think it had anything to do with that. I never did, and I still don't. And as a recruit, when you grow up, say, let's in the state of Florida, and you grow up a Florida Gator fan your entire life, and you are good enough to play Division One SEC and football. He's in Jacksonville, Florida. That's where the kid's from. That's and, like yeah. in the backyard. And the Gators call and say, hey, come play football for us. You're going to go. 99% of the time, that kid is going to go there. And you cannot blame him. Bo did it. Bo came and played for Auburn because he loved Auburn. Bo Nix did that exact thing. So you can't blame him. But here's the thing about Auburn's recruiting class. 18 is good for this scenario is it good overall no it's not not in the sec of course it's year one it's year one but auburn definitely missed on some guys and there are definitely some holes to fill when it comes to recruiting they're gonna have to do that in the transfer portal but they also landed on some guys they did we talk about everybody that auburn missed but look at where auburn landed a lot of defensive guys and that's good but the offense is where they missed they they whiffed on offense and and they need it they need it bad when's the last time auburn flipped a kid from alabama and that's not me like genuinely when's the last time that happened that's a good question. We've had transfers, right? Yes, you have had transfers. But I don't, Grant. I don't remember. I don't remember flipping a recruit from Bama to Auburn. I'm sure there's some scenarios. Maybe right. earlier. Oh, it's on, definitely happened. It's just been a long time, mm-hmm. and, that's and I couldn't recall it off the top of my head. It's that's, definitely yeah. happened, but, but I mean, if not anytime it, soon. Look at it realistically, though. If you're a recruit and Nick Saban's Nick Saban's in your backyard and Harson's in your backyard at Bama or Auburn, where are you going to go right now? You're going to go to Alabama right now, and there's no – that's okay. Then Georgia's to your east and, and Florida's now you've got to Georgia your south. And you've and got Texas A&M. I, why would you go to Auburn right now? That's my that's my thing. I love Auburn, but you got to ask that question. Let's head to the phone lines now, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Keith is joining us on the line now. Keith, what's up, my man? Yeah, I uh, just joined in, and uh, I've been thinking about all this uh, – all these players and the players that we did get and all this stuff. Uh, but, you know, as, it's almost uh, an explanation for all of them except for uh, the defensive line players. And, and uh, I think that, well, it's uh, Johnson. I don't know why he would leave. He gone. It's not like we failed him. I mean, he didn't exactly fail us, but, I mean, he didn't. He didn't shine, but he had his chances and uh, uh, made some good plays. But he would have been right there coming into this year. And, uh, you know, he kind of stabbed his uh, brothers in his back that he's been working hard with and everything. And, you know, the receiver was Kobe. You know, he was You know, Bo just giving it all he wanted to give, I guess. 
Keith, we're having a hard time hearing you, my man. We'll uh, we'll need you to call back. Where you're kind of cutting in and out, and so if you can get a, into a place with a little bit better reception, we'll be happy to hear from you. We picked up a little bit of what you were saying there. We'll try and take a stab at it. We appreciate the call, my man. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. If we can get you to call back once again, we're just having a hard time hearing you there. Jacob, yeah. you got something to say in response? We kind of were picking up what yeah, he was saying. Just the best I could do picking up what he was trying to say. I think he was just trying to talk about you know the differences in and some of the guys that we picked up and some of the guys that we missed on, some of the guys that have bought in and 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 left. You know, everybody's got their advantages, disadvantages, and everybody has their reasons for either coming to Auburn or to leave Auburn. And at the end of the day, you got to respect that decision and. Uh, yeah, that's the best I could get from the call. Like I said, we, it was spotty on our end. Yeah, I agree with what Jacob said. You've got to respect their decision either way. And I, I'll take this back to what the Instagram Live was talking about. You know, just I players, think that was the direction he was going. Some of the players deciding that you know they wanted to transfer, they wanted to stay. Smoke. Something that Smoke said was intriguing to me is like, you know, I stuck it out. I, I stayed here for four years. I graduated. I did not leave. I didn't think about transferring. And then he went on to talk about how awesome Gus Malzahn was and how just uh, that Brian Harson wouldn't wouldn't actually interact with the players and try and connect with them on a personal level. It's like, well, if if you wanted that personal connection, then why did you not transfer and go play for Malzahn when you had the opportunity to do so? And it's like, again, though, I come back to you have to respect everybody's opinion or decision to whether stay, to whether it be to leave. You know, at the end of the day, I think these kids are still trying to do what's best for them. And if they felt the need to go somewhere else to go play football, you know, that's that's their decision. And there's no doubt that Gus Malzahn, we talked about this before, that he is a he's a player's coach. The players, his players love playing for him. I think him. Brian Harson is too. But though. I think Brian it's just Harsin for a very specific player. Yes, they're different. They're two it's different, different coaches. Breed. It's a different brand. It's just a different breed. Different. And here's the thing. With Smoke Monday, you know, he he was saying how Harson doesn't know his parents' names or whatever, but here's the difference. Look at the videos and the commitments and the guys that have committed to Brian Harson. They love the guy. Did you see the video Look, of Jeffrey Imba literally yes, like crying exactly. on his shoulder? Jumping up and down, crying and loving Brian Harson because he is so excited to come play for this dude. And But when Brian Harson came in, is that really his responsibility to go to Smoke Monday's parents, a guy that's played football for four years, and go and meet his parents? like that? He didn't recruit that guy. Yeah, it's his player, but... There's a there's a line there. I don't know where it's drawn, but that it's interesting that Smoke made those comments. Headed back to the phone lines again, 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Dan is on the line with us now. Dan, what's up? Yeah, that was, that was one thing I was going to mention with, with uh, Smoke. You know, I did like how he said Harson was very competitive and he was a great coach. But, you know, when he says the thing about the parents, like you just guys just said, it's like if you recruit a player and you're recruiting him for a year or longer or whatever – you're definitely going to have that relationship with their parents. But, you know, if you're coming into a program, you have a million things going on. You know, you're, you're, trying, you're trying to learn the players' names, but much less, you know, you're trying to get your coaches, you're trying to recruit your next group of class come, coming in. I don't know if you'd really have the time to, to be perfect and know everybody's parents. Exactly. And, you know, it, it's, that's just kind of yeah, a little bit you're exactly over the right. top. But the one thing I also would say is, is like, I've talked to some of the players, like, in the fall – and they said that that it was a culture change. He said it's like they said that that Harson was 
very, uh, you know, structured and very, you know, determined on like every single thing had to be uh, just certain way. And they, and they said, we needed it. We needed that discipline so bad. Um, and this is coming from players, you know, that are, that are still, still on the thing. I mean, if you go from a, a time when, you know, if you miss workouts or miss classes or, or whatever, and it was no big deal, Hey, you know, just go do it later, whatever. And then all of a sudden you got a guy who is just, Hey, either you do it or you're going to be kicked off the team. I mean, that's culture shock for a lot of people, you know? And so, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt that Harson is, is a tough, uh, you know, a tough kind of guy. And, and I mean, that's, I think what Nick Saban is. I mean, he's that kind of guy. You know, it's like you're going to do it my way, or or you're not going to be here, and and you know it sucks. You know, obviously it, it's kind of a black eye. I mean, you, you don't want to have stuff out there, but I, I think no matter who you get, if you want to change the direction of the program to be a winning program and then not a an eight win type of team, you know there had to be some major changes, and I, I mean some players took to it. And some players don't. I mean, I mean, Coach Garner was the same way. You know, we get all these top guys coming in, and half of them loved his coaching, and then half of them, they just didn't like it. You know, I don't like a guy yelling at me. I don't like a guy screaming at me. You know, it's just the way it is, you know. I agree with that. And it's clear that he's got a specific breed of player. It's clear that he has a specific taste of player that he wants inside his program. And it's not going to be for everybody. And I think that's why you've seen such a mass exodus of players over the last year and a half is that the reality is it's harder to get a culture change now done inside college football than it was when Nick Saban took over at Alabama because of the transfer portal. The players have more power than ever to to do whatever they want to do. And if they don't like it, they can leave. And I think that's what's happened here. They just they don't want to do it. And that's why they've left. Yeah. But then also, if you get recruited by a coach like the players that he's recruiting now, you kind of know what you're getting into. You know, you kind of know the type of person he is, and you're going to have that relationship, and you're going to have more respect for him. And when he tells you to do something, he's like more of a father figure because you actually were brought into a program by that guy. So, you know, I, I get it how some of the players, you know, they love Gus and, and, and stuff. And, I mean, you know, kudos for Gus for being that type of coach. But, you know, that didn't get us, you know, championships. That didn't get us winning <laughs> You know, yeah. the way we needed to. So, appreciate it, guys. Thanks, Dan. That was Dan on the line with us. Number to call, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. If you have any thoughts on everything that's transpired over the last 24 hours or if you want to talk Auburn basketball or anything else in the sports world, Lance, I know you're about to head out of here. Plug everything you got going on with Auburn Wired, Locked On Kentucky. I could stick with y'all for the final for the until the end of the hour. But if y'all want to uh, go check me out on the socials, you can follow me on Twitter at Lance underscore. You can follow my show, Locked On Kentucky. It's a podcast talking all things Kentucky athletics. You can follow that on Twitter at Locked On UK as well, and then you can uh, read what I write over at Auburn Wire. Well, we'll be happy to keep you for another segment, my man. Stay tuned. More of on the line on the other side of this break. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner, Jacob Goins, Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Last segment of hour number one. And it has been a wild show so far today. A wild last 24 hours or so or 18 hours. Let's head back to the phone lines, 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. JR out of Mobile is on the line with us now. JR, what's up, my man? What's up, fellas? Did your last caller just say kudos to Gus that he didn't win no championships or win many games? Uh, I think he won the West, went to a natty, went back to the West, and came close again. 
I don't understand all these Auburn fans that like to bash him so much, and I, I just don't get it because that man won as much at Auburn as any coach ever did. He definitely ranks up there in terms of wins and losses, and he did have some spurts of success. I think Auburn fans just wanted more consistency, and definitely at the time when he was let go, we're still feeling some effects of that program. Well, let let me ask you this. Through their existence, when has there been consistency? That's a good point. Tuberville. Tuberville had a stretch. Tuberville, come on, man. He had I mean, a stretch. Was, there the was some, some was consistency. So bad then, but, but think about when Gus was at over, how the West was. It ain't even a comparison to when Tupperville was there. That is also true. That is also true. I'm telling you. Uh, they, I think people are going to look back on Gus later on, and they're going to look and see what kind of good coach he was. But I don't know. I just think the man gets a lot of bashing for no reason. And he but does. He gets a lot of – yeah, thank you for the call, JR. Hey, Gus does get a lot of hate from – from Auburn fans and I think Auburn fans wanted him out because nothing was changing I think he had he Gus had hit his peak at Auburn nothing had changed in what four or five years that he had coached they wanted a coach that could consistently compete for national championships I think we had seen it run its course at some point sometimes you got to roll the dice and nothing that I think that was the biggest thing was nothing changed he had a system and it just he just went with it every single game every season and didn't make adjustments and beating Alabama once every three or four years was good enough for a lot of Auburn fans. But I think some Auburn fans wanted we should be able to beat them every other year, possibly every year for a stretch. Well, he was kind of doing it every other year. Yeah, it was more of like every three years. But but he was still losing. He was three and five against Nick Saban. Right, and then but That's he's still losing every other to Georgia. Year. Still losing to Georgia. He you won know. in 2013, 2017, 2019, right? Yeah, yeah. So it was like, almost every other year. Right, but I just think. I think Mal's on to hit his peak at Auburn. And I, I don't think, disagree with you. And I think that's why Auburn had to let him go. And there's look, if you're if you're happy with eight and four in a bowl game every year, Malzon's your coach. Malzon is your guy. And you want your players to have some fun. That's I mean, Malzon is your guy. I have no hate against him. I really do like him. But it was time to make a change at Auburn. That's just that's just a fact. Now he did just sign the uh, best recruiting class in UCF history. He also brought in John Rice Plumley. And you talk about some fans complaining about Gus not playing to his strengths. You think he's going to play quarterback? I don't know, but wouldn't that be fun if he's if he did run something similar to that? I think Mikey Keene's going to be the starter. But if they did get John Rice Plumlee to like run the offense, I think that would be really fun. Triple options back, baby. That would be so fun if he just brought in all this different personnel to actually run what he did in 2014 and 2013. I think that would be incredible to watch. But that's his plan, and he doesn't. He's going to stick to it. By God, he is going to stick to his plan. He's got one motive and one way to do it. And he's going to do it. He And you've got to make adjustments. Let's man. don't act, though, like he didn't leave the program in a tough spot with Brian Harson coming in. No offensive linemen. <laughs> and the exactly. recruiting was in the, in the garbage can. This is like on NCAA football when I accepted the Florida job and they had eight total offensive linemen on the roster. Who was there before you? Will Muschamp. Oh, go figure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can't do that. And the receiver situation wasn't great either. It's not like Brian Hartson walked into a great room of players or anything like that. And when the defense yeah. has talent, but the offense, it should not be like that. And mm-hmm. it's not like Brian Hartson was great at managing his staffs either. Look at how many different offensive coordinators he had. Yep. Everybody's got their flaws. That dude was as difficult to work with on offense as anybody. Yep. Come and on. The thing with Malzon when it came to recruiting, especially on the offensive side, was 
he was really good at recruiting athletes and trying to make them into something that they weren't instead of recruiting wide receivers tight ends running backs dbs whatever he would just recruit well, you tell me jj piggy shouldn't play tight end no come on <laughs> no yeah that's players Wait, are having fun that was no. a bad idea it was a bad idea to run specific place to set up a five yard out route for jj piggy for a 300 pound for man. a 300 pound dude yes <laughs> And try to teach him how to catch a football when he's after he's been playing lineman for his whole life. Yes, that's a terrible well, someone idea. should tell Lane Kiffin because he's got a rude awakening coming. That guy's yeah. supposed to play quarterback there. The biggest mistake <laughs> Auburn ever made was not getting a package where JJ threw the ball. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I like Malzon. He can recruit, but his time was up at Auburn, and I believe in Harson, man. I really do. Lance, I appreciate the time you spent with us, my man. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. That was Lance Dahl, Auburn Wire, and Locked On Kentucky. We'll be back for hour number two at 3 p.m. Phone lines are open. We want to hear from you. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 106.7 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Online on Fox Sports 983.com and ESPNAU.com. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Hour number two of On the Line, Noah Gardner, Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. It's been a fun show so far today. If you missed any of it, go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Lance Dahl of Auburn Wire and Locked On Kentucky joined us for the entire first hour of the show. Go and find him at those respective locations or find him on Twitter at Dahl Pound. We'll start off hour number two with Making Headlines. Making Headlines. All right, starting off hour number two, as we do every day with making headlines. And the top of the headlines here is everything you've been seeing in the last 24 hours, 18 hours or so with Auburn football. Crazy stuff is happening with the Auburn football program. Yeah, there's a lot of news going around, a lot of um, a lot of rumors going around, a lot of news going around. We don't know a whole lot, but the things we do know is Brian Harson made some comments through an ESPN article. Auburn President Jay Goosh said they're looking into things and trying to separate fact from fiction. Those are the things we know. We also know uh, Auburn players, former and current, have spoken their minds about whether they support Harson, the things they didn't like about him or that they do like about him. Those are the very few things that we know. But the next 48 hours are going to be crucial for Auburn. It's ugly. This is as ugly as I can remember it. Yeah, it is. It's, it's This feels ugly. uglier than Tommy. Yeah, it does. It, it feels like – because the, 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 the problem is – there's so much information coming in from so many different players. Social media sources. is a bad thing. Social media has done this dirty. It is really, really bad. Think about if social media wasn't around. Is honestly. Twitter Spaces like? Is that a good thing? I'm not asking no. you if you enjoy it. Is Twitter Spaces a good thing for society? No, it's not. Because here's the problem: that Twitter Space last night had 2,500 people in it, and everybody was saying something different, and nobody has anything concrete. That's the problem. Exactly. And anybody can join it. There were players, national writers, coaches. And it's it's mostly and people's laundry is just getting aired out. It may or may not be true. Exactly, and you don't know what to believe. That's the problem with today's world. You don't know what to believe, and nothing. That's nothing, why today yeah. on this show, all we've talked about is what is out there, what we and know. what you know, and what you know is there is an ESPN article 
with Brian Harson's comments in it and what he has said about how he feels and he's resolute about his current position at Auburn and how he wants to be here and how he has a plan and how he feels he is the number one guy for the job. But he also did say some things about things working against him. And now there is stuff that is against him right now. Take that as you will. Go and read the article on ESPN.com by Chris Lowe. There's also what President Jay Goose said today at the Board of Trustees meeting where he said they're trying to separate fact from fiction in terms of the allegations and they will make a decision when it's appropriate and then there is also all the mess that the players said today whether it be good or bad for brian harson and that's all we're able to talk about and that's all we're going to talk about on this show because there's no reason to talk about anything else because none of it has been proven true false what is and what's not so we're going to talk about the things that we know and I think that's okay with where it's at right now. I think Brian Harson has every right to come out and say, "Look, all this stuff that's being said about me is total crap." And if it's if it is if it ends up being not true, he has every right to say that. He also has a right to come out and say, "Look, I want to be at Auburn. I'm the man for the job. Nobody's more pl- prepared and has a better plan than me." But there's some things that have got to change at Auburn. The boosters, the donors, the board, everything like that. That's what he said. He said, I've got to be able to do my job to be successful here. And that's what he wants to do. You got to let he, a head coach be a head coach. Got to be. Got to let the coach be the coach. And at the end of the day, he has every right to say that. I think he should have. I'm glad he finally came out and said that. And then on the other side, the university itself, they had to have come out today. And they did. They had to come out today and at least make some sort of statement because you can't just let all these allegations, whether they're real or not, float around and not address it if you're the university. That's a bad look if they didn't. But they came out and they said they're looking into it and they're just trying to figure out what's right and what's wrong and what's true and what's not. At the end of the day, and I may very well be wrong about this, we've had a lot of people call over the last week or two asking about signs of positivity in the program. At the end of the day, this may all end up being a good thing for Auburn. I think as long as none of that stuff is true, and we all know what we're talking about, but we're not going to talk about it specifically, if all of that stuff is not true and false, I think this is a huge turning point in the Auburn football program, in history of Auburn football. I really do see this could be a huge It only is true if he wins. He's got to win. He's got to win. And And we talked about that yesterday. We had a caller. I can't remember who it was. Was it Graham that called in yesterday and asked us about, is there a win total that Auburn has to hit? Yeah, it wasn't Graham. It was somebody else. But, yeah, there was a call. Somebody said, well, what, what does it take next year for Brian Harson to get to, to stay alive, basically? I said eight wins. I think eight and four is a good starting point in year two for Brian Harson to just survive now. Now, there's going to be people that say, well, eight and four is not good enough. But I think it is in year but two. But that's an improvement from where you were at this year, that's where you went six and seven. And the schedule's tough this year. Playing on the road at Georgia and Bama, you can go ahead and take those as losses. I don't think the schedule's that bad. And it's here's not why. bad. The road games, those two games are obviously tough. Those are losses it, whether you're at home or away, though. You know season, those yes. are two losses. You knew that this past season. And yep. Auburn still almost beat Alabama. You Help, knew those yep. are two losses, right? Right now, Auburn's program is not in a place to compete with those teams. At least you've got games like A&M, LSU, and Arkansas at home where that can kind of level the playing field out a little bit. Yeah, those – no doubt about it, two out of three of those got to be wins, if not all three. Auburn starts the season with five home games. You've got to win all five of those right out of the gate. 
than what you played Georgia. You're five and one. Then you have some road trips. I got to, the schedule right here. I, yeah, I can yeah, go through it, it. Yeah, give it to you. You open up with Mercer on September 3rd. Once again, you, you mentioned five home games. So these all are five home games right here. You got Mercer at home. Then you got San Jose State the next weekend. So you're two and zero oh at that point. Now, San Jose State, now I'm just saying, pretty good Mountain <laughs> West school. You know, I built them into a powerhouse in NCAA football. I'm joking. Game three is Penn State, which they just went seven and six this year. They've had some players transfer out of the program. Now, of course, they just had an awesome recruiting class, but I don't think that that's ready right off the bat to elevate them from where they're at. That's a winnable game at home right at now. At home, that's got to be a win. It was a winnable win. game on the road last year. I believe it's a winnable game at home this year. It's got to be a win, no doubt. you got to win that game if you're Brian Harson in year two. And then you've got at least to generate some type of support and momentum for the program. Yep, that, and that would be that would do it. If you start out 3-0, and you start out with a win against Penn State at home, and then Missouri next at home. That's correct. right, that is game number four, and then that's it's LSU. It, yep. Those all have to be wins, in my opinion. You've got to win all five of those games to get to get a hot start because the end of the season, it gets a heck of a lot tougher. With everything that has transferred out of the LSU program or graduated or gone to the draft, it's fair to say that even coming into this year, Auburn's program roster-wise is in just as good of a spot, if not better, than where LSU is coming into this year. I mean, they're breaking in. Miles Brennan's been with the program, but he did just come back out of the transfer portal. And now a new head coach. You know, they, they're going to have some kinks to work out. As Auburn's going, through, Auburn's going through it right now. and But that game being at home, it, it'll be a competitive game. LSU always gives us a good fight, you know, except a couple years ago, whatever. But that's got to be another win for Auburn. You start out 5-0, and then you take a trip to Athens. You're going to lose that game. At least just try to compete. You know what I'm saying? But the difference in Georgia and Auburn recruiting-wise and, and roster-wise right now, that's just that's just a fact. There's a huge difference there. So Auburn starts out 5-1 and one after the Georgia game. Then you've got Ole Miss on the road, which I've said this a lot, and you look at the way that the two teams recruit. Now, Ole Miss just cleaned up at the transfer portal. They got Jackson Dart from USC, which is a pretty good get at quarterback. They got Zach Evans from TCU at running back. That's, that is a very good That's get. That elevated that up. running back room. They got an excellent tight end coming in as well. They've got some players on that offense, but when you still look at it, look at the recruiting rankings. Where did Ole Miss finish in the recruiting rankings this year? 23rd? Ole Miss always is finishing around there, just outside the top 25. Auburn consistently recruits better than Ole Miss, and that shows when Auburn plays. Auburn mangled Ole Miss in the trenches this year. Now, granted, that was at home, and there have been some classic matchups between Auburn and Ole Miss over the past 10 years, especially in Oxford. That will be a tough game, and Ole Miss definitely has a lot more going for it right now on the offensive side of the football in the way of a quarterback. And also like Zach Evans, a lot as a running back. He's a good player. He's averaged over like seven yards per carry at the collegiate level through his first two seasons. We know they've got some players over there, but I still think from top to bottom, Auburn's roster is more talented than Ole Miss. They may have top end like more you know i'm trying to do like top end their best players may be better than auburn's best players but the average of everything from from top to bottom auburn still might be a better overall if you will when you break that down there's a reason why auburn has won like the last six meetings against old miss that well, hasn't changed yeah and it should be that way auburn should be better than old miss they should recruit better than old miss and that's just and they that's do a fact. still and they do they exactly so I've got the schedule pulled up now. So, so now you, let, let's say you win that game one. on the road at Ole Miss and you're 6-1 and one and you head into a bye week with Arkansas at home. You're feeling really, really good. Auburn fans are going to be ecstatic. They're going to feel the same way that we felt after Harson was 6-2 and two with Auburn in his first year. And you beat Arkansas by 15 at their place last year. And now Why can't you win at home? home? So then, okay, so look, realistically what? 7-1 and one on a road game at Mississippi State? A winnable game because Mississippi State's not that good? Let's just be honest. It'll be competitive. I think 
if you're looking at it realistically, Auburn will more than likely lose either the road game at Ole Miss or Mississippi State. They're going to lose one of those two road games in Mississippi. And they might lose the home game to LSU. Like is it like might. when you when you start rattling this off, you see the chance for the schedule to snowball a bit for Auburn in yes. a way where it could get to 7 and 1, but us sitting here right now talking about the offense and everything, let's just be real, Auburn couldn't beat South Carolina in williams Bryce Stadium. We were all talking about some of these wins when Bo Nix was healthy. This roster right now in offense is not what the offense was when they beat Ole Miss in Arkansas. So I still think that there is a huge gap, a huge chasm, a huge gorge that Auburn has to traverse right now to get to a place offensively where they're capable of starting out the season 5-0. and But if they do start out the season 5-0, and there's real opportunity. And it's not extremely far-fetched to say that Auburn coming into this season has just as good of a roster from top to bottom as LSU, Missouri, and Penn State. So feasibly, with all those games being at home, Auburn could start out 5-0. and That's where we're starting with this. And we got into this discussion talking about Auburn's schedule and that there's an opportunity for Brian Harson if he's still here come September, for him to do something that at least gets him some rallying support from Auburn fans, and then everybody's going to look stupid yep. that was asking for him to get fired. Exactly. He just needs to make some noise and show that he can get it done. And just think about it, man. If he pulls eight wins this year, there's going to be fans that still aren't happy. But that's just – let's just be honest. That's just some Auburn fans. And that's fans in every every team. There's just going to be some fans that just aren't – nothing is good enough. But if, if Harson can pull eight wins with the team that he's got – that's a that's a big time win that shows that there's improvement and that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and if we start seeing a lot different style of football where we don't blow leads to Mississippi State and and Auburn can play a a tough brand of football disciplined football in eight wins I mean that that would be that'd be the huge for Brian Harson. I can't even put it into words how big that would be for Auburn and Brian Harson. but all those wins that we said they should get or very well could win they could very well easily just lose those as well. You mentioned LSU, Penn State, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Arkansas, Texas A&M. All those games that Auburn has a good chance to win, they also have a great chance to lose as well. So that's we're, I mean, we're going to find out what this team's made of. We're going to find out what kind of a coach Brian Harson is because even if your roster is not to the same level as the team you're playing His against. His back's against the wall, man. Back's against the wall. And a good, the great coaches – get their teams ready and prepare them enough to come out with some of those wins he's had his integrity called out he's had his program called out his by former players i mean a lot of stuff has happened in the last 24 hours the back's against the wall right oh yeah there's no doubt but if he survives this push i'm telling you this this day or 48 hour period if he survives will be a huge turning point in Auburn football history we could look back on this in 10 or 15 years and say remember when Everybody tried to bury Brian Harson. Remember when they tried to get Brian Harson fired over nothing? But if it comes out to be true, that's a whole different story. But I think this could be a huge game changer for Brian Harson. If he survives this, I think it could be really huge. Moving to our second headline under making headlines. Number seven, Arizona knocked off number three, UCLA, 76 to 66 last night. I always love to throw these nuggets in college basketball related because Auburn's a basketball school now and they're number one in the country and these games matter. These games have relation to Auburn now. You can pay attention to something on a Thursday night in the Pac-12 because as far as the top 25 is concerned, as far as the NCAA tournament is concerned, you could run into one of these teams later on, know something about them, watch them. It's good basketball. Of course, last night, Levi was right. Levi said, fade the public. 
Arizona was the team to ride with, and at home they won by 10. Always fade the public. <laughs> that's that's the thing that I have, have picked up on. Always fade the public if you're doing it, whatever. But, yeah, Arizona played good basketball. They held UCLA to 66 points. That's pretty good because that offense is is lights out, and that's how it is in the Pac-12, man. They're all It's like football. They're all offense. And they held UCLA to, to 66 points on the road. And, again, we we talk about it. Road games in college basketball are extremely difficult to win. And Arizona, that's a big-time win. I mean, UCLA's number three, Arizona's number seven. That's a huge win for Arizona in the Pac-12. And you're right. I mean, these are teams that Auburn very well could face in, excuse me, in the NCAA tournament. So you've got to pay attention. I mean, obviously, we're just the fans. But you've got to pay attention to these schools because they can make some noise. I'm kind of shocked that UCLA on 72 field goal attempts, they only shot 14 threes, and they only got 12 free throws. They only got to the charity strike for 12 free throws, and they had 14 total threes. That's tough on the road. You know how many times Arizona hit the free throw line last night? Mm-mm. 30. Ooh. Yeah, that's um, a little bit of home bias there. Maybe. I don't know. But I mean, you're going to get those calls. Yeah, but, but as a road team, you've, that's, exactly. you've got to get to the free throw line because that's the only way you can stop momentum, stop the crowd, get easy points. They're free throws for a reason. they got to be free points. As a road team, you've got to get to the line 20 times. Or you're I just not don't win. think you can read too much into this result because having these two split the season series now one-to-one and they both played at home and away, they have. That's right. UCLA won the first meeting by 16 at home, and then Arizona wins at 10 at home. And yeah. maybe you'll get this matchup again in the Pac-12 tournament at the end of the year. Of course, there's still a lot of basketball left to be played. I don't think the Pac-12 is very good. There's a reason why in bracketology there's only three teams currently inside the field. Oregon feeling the pressure of the bubble last night, won by 15 over Colorado. The Pac-12 right now just doesn't it doesn't feel legit to me. No, I agree. And I'm going to take back what I said. I thought UCLA was a better offensive team than they are. Um, they only averaged 73, 74 points a game. That's not a winning And I mean, look at UCLA this team. season. What have they done to warrant being ranked where they're at, number three? I mean, yeah. they hold a win over Villanova, but – Villanova has been topsy-turvy this year at They're times. They're middle of the pack in the Big East. I mean, Gonzaga, they lost by 20 there. They got crushed Their next best game. win is over Marquette, and then their 15-point win over Arizona. But you look at Arizona, and you ask, well, what has Arizona done this year? And Their biggest claim to fame at this point was that they beat UCLA last night, I think. And they even lost to Tennessee, a middle-of-the-pack team in the SEC. And we all know how incompetent Tennessee has been in SEC play from an offensive standpoint. The transitive property does not apply in college basketball, but I do question the legitimacy of UCLA and Arizona's records right now because I don't think they've played strong schedules whatsoever. And when they have played great teams or even good teams of significance, they have either lost or they have been beaten very badly. And that's just how the Pac-12 goes. I mean, it's just not... It's not a top-tier conference in college basketball, and I think you're going to see teams like UCLA and Arizona and Oregon, they're going to get exposed in the NCAA tournament. I could be very wrong. They could go on a run. UCLA was good last year, but they're not as good as they were. They're not as good this year as they were last year. I don't see those teams uh, making any kind of run in the tournament. Last headline before we go to break. We didn't talk about this earlier this week. A lot of stuff has happened, of course, but I want to talk about it. Washington football team changed its name to the Commanders. I want your take on this. We didn't talk about this. This is old news, but what's your thoughts on them being the Commanders? Washington football team relegated to the XFL, question mark? I mean, everybody was hating on the name and dogging on it. I don't don't love it. it. Yeah, a lot of people, especially some Washington fans, um, they were not happy with it. It just doesn't seem like a... It's not doesn't super, seem like an NFL name. Yeah, it's not super threatening. Is that the word I'm looking for? Like, here comes the Washington Commanders. You know, it's not like 
I don't know. I think it's That's fine. not my issue with it. I it just seems fine. cheesy. It seems like an XFL team name. They might as well be called the replacements. <laughs> I like the name. I don't see anything wrong with it. I like the matchup of, you know, it's the New York Giants versus the Washington Commanders. I like that. I think that sounds good. Or the Dallas Cowboys visiting the Washington Commanders. Like, it's it's different. That sounds and, better than just Washington Commanders. I will give you that. Right. What about so, the Washington Armada? No. No. <laughs> no. No offense, man, but I don't like that. I don't mind it, though. I really don't mind the commander's name. It's different. People don't like it because it's new and it's different. But in a year, next season, halfway through, nobody's going to care that their name is the commanders because they're not a good team. So they're just going to lose anyway. So it doesn't really matter. But I like the commander's name. People, people hate it on it, but I don't mind it. Trying to think of anything else they could have done. You and I have had this discussion already. It's but better than it. It's better than a lot of their other options. I better, will give you that. It is better than calling themselves the football team. And anybody I that like says that, I, no. bring it. What were you about to say? Anybody say it to my face. <laughs> anybody that says that this is not better than calling themselves the football team is wrong. That is so bad. It's that terrible. wasn't what you gonna say. Say it to my face. That what is, were you gonna it. say? Any, <laughs> anybody that says that is wrong, man. That's all I can say. <laughs> Having an actual name and a mascot and like something to represent yourself is better than just we're the team we're a football team from washington like that's so lame man that's that's lame i like the name squadron but that is obviously being stolen and wrongfully used by a g league team that's a good nickname squadron that is a good nickname but we can't use it because a g league team that nobody ever watches has it which one's more important a g league team or the washington commanders i don't know <laughs> you could always do what the cleveland guardians did and rip off a roller skating team or whatever it was <laughs> yeah there you go just yeah find some find some uh, softball league somewhere and just take their name instead yeah. let's take a quick break Welcome back to ESPN or to On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins, Noah Gardner here with you today. Here in the middle of the second hour, got about 10 minutes before the bottom of the hour break, we've been discussing making headlines about Auburn football, some uh, college basketball. We just had a little discussion about the Washington Commanders now. Noah, it's been a good show so far. That's right, and now we're going to get into Saturday selections before we'll have Zach Blackerby of the Locked On Auburn podcast at 3.30 p.m. to talk about all the latest stuff going on in the Auburn sports world. We're taking a break from that. We talked about it for about an hour and 15 minutes now, but if you still want to call in about it, 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Let's get into some Saturday selections. College basketball season is still fun. Remember that. College basketball is the best sport in America. We're going to pick a few ball games right here, and then we'll end the show with some Saturday selections as well as we do every Friday in college basketball. Number 17, UConn at number 12, Villanova, 11 a.m. on Fox. Man, that's a great game. The Big East is one of the best conferences in college basketball to watch. It is so much fun. Providence is at the top of that league, and then there's everybody else. So it's really going to be interesting. UConn coming off a tough loss. Uh, to Creighton that was a game that they really needed they've been on a, a big win streak and then they lost to Creighton Villanova makes all so, look bad man yeah I know they're just so they're so it, wishy-washy I guess sometimes they play really well other times they play really bad both teams coming off a loss um give me UConn yeah give me the Huskies on the really road. on the road yeah give me UConn on the road I think you're going to get a better team effort out of Villanova at home 
I think it's more likely for them to bounce back from their loss to Marquette, where I don't think they played horrible. Defense wasn't great, but Marquette started that game off hot, and then everything just kind of leveled out and equalized out for the rest of that ball game. I like Villanova at home to find the offense that they need to win this game, whereas UConn only scoring 55 at home against Creighton. They scored 57 against DePaul the game before that. They're currently going through some issues there, and Villanova's defense is not the team that you want to have to try and figure that out against. So I'm going to go Villanova at home. Number 18, Illinois at Indiana, 11 a.m. on ESPN. At times this year, the Hoosers in Assembly Hall, they have been giant killers. Give me the fighting Illini, baby. Kofi Coburn's one of the best players in college basketball. As long as he plays and is healthy. He played the other night and had an unbelievable stat line. So as long as he plays in this game, I'm going to pick the fighting Illini of Illinois. Now, if for some reason he doesn't play, it's very up in the air. But no, nah, give me give me Illinois on the road. You get the vibe that a letdown could be coming soon. The last couple of road games that Illinois has played at Northwestern, only won 59-56. At Maryland, they lost by 15 any loss to Maryland this year is bad, but a 15-point loss to Maryland is atrocious. Indiana at home has been a whole different beast aside from the 18-point loss to a Michigan team that right now is saying, don't count us out of the NCAA tournament. Michigan's playing very well right now. I kind of want to go Hoosiers here. Take your pick, man. What you got? Do it. I'm going to go with the Hoosiers at home. It's not a little a bit biased. Pick. I have an Indiana basketball jersey hanging in my closet. Who is it? It's just one of the generic jerseys oh. that you can get. Man, but that's unfortunate. I'm going to take Indiana at home, though. They're 16-5, right. and 7-4 and four in the conference. Indiana's a good basketball team. And Illinois, yeah. not as great on the road. Look at me taking two road teams to start out. I'm about to take a third. Number one, Auburn at Georgia, 12 p.m. SEC Network. Auburn wins by 20 points. Give it to me. The line's not out yet. but Whatever it is, Auburn covers. It's, uh, my prediction's 14 and a half. It'll come out probably this afternoon. Um, yeah, my guess is like 18 and a half. Uh, yeah, I'm giving Georgia a couple points just because they're at home. I mean, they just lost by, by 26 at home to Arkansas. Just saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, it doesn't matter. Auburn wins by 20. I think so, too. It's the fact that Georgia in conference play is giving up 60% inside the arc. And that's giving away yeah, buckets, Auburn's man. Auburn's front court is going to destroy them. And it, it, it won't even be close. They don't have the height in the front court either, other than Braylon Bridges. And Braylon Bridges really isn't even that much of a problem for other SEC teams. I mean, he's one of Georgia's better players. But Georgia's not a terrible offensive team by any means. I broke down some of those statistics. Believe it or not, they're a top-half team inside the SEC from an offensive standpoint. But defensively, they are beyond horrible. And that is why they are 6-16. Six and 16. That's not going to be good for them. Auburn is going to win on the road easy. Number 22, Tennessee at South Carolina, 12 p.m. CBS. These two teams don't struggle with defense at all. If anything, the offense is the problem. But look at Tennessee. They're coming off a 90-point outing against Texas A&M, a team that had been playing better basketball in South Carolina coming off a bad loss against well, – not a bad loss, but a tough loss against Mississippi State by 14 points. Give me another road team, baby. Give me the Vols on the road to get the win over South Carolina. Tennessee won by 20 the last time these two teams played. I was wrong about that game. Not saying that South Carolina would win, but I thought it could have been a closer matchup. It was not. It was clear the first go-around that Tennessee's defense is a problem for South Carolina. Now, is the Tennessee offense turning a corner? I don't think we know enough about that yet, but you look at their last five games. They scored 68 against Vanderbilt. That was a bad offensive performance. They beat LSU by 14, and I thought they played well offensively in that game. They only scored 64. They dropped 78 on a pretty good defensive team in Florida. Then followed that up with a bad 51-point performance against Texas, but that is still a Chris Beard-led 
defensive team. And then, as you pointed out, 90 points on AM. Tennessee's tried to get things going in that category in a road game against South Carolina. We'll see if the inconsistency rears its ugly head again. Two teams that do not score the basketball very well, but they play excellent defense in the Big 12. I'm mad that this is on Longhorn Network. 1 p.m., number 20, Iowa State, at number 23, Texas. Oh, boo. I didn't know it was on Longhorn Network. The Big 12 sticks some of its best games on ESPN Plus and Longhorn and Network, and it is bad for yeah. ratings, my man. They also play all their big games at the exact same time, so you can't watch them all like unless you have multiple screens going, which I always do. But, man, that sucks. I didn't know they were on Longhorn Network. But, anyway, that's a tough game, man. Iowa State's kind of on a, a little – you know a little slump they're two and three in their last five games with wins over oklahoma state and missouri which are not high quality wins and then texas of course coming off the win against tennessee in the sec big 12 challenge and then got beat by 13 against texas tech on the road and that's a tough game give me the longhorns just because they're at home but honestly it could be it could go either way but yeah give me the longhorns being at home Winners of their last two at home is texas those were wins over tennessee at oklahoma state one point win over Tennessee, a four-point win over a five-point win, excuse me, over Oklahoma State, and they only scored in the 50s in both of those games. Do not expect these two teams to score more than 65 points. I'm not at least. I will take Texas at home. They've been better, more battle-tested in Big 12 play at five and four in the conference. Three and six is Iowa State. They've had a hard time winning these types of games. Defensive contest only scored 61 against Kansas. Lost by nine earlier this week. Lost 59 to 44 to TCU. Lost 72 to 60 to Texas Tech. I think Texas is going to present the same type of issue to them. Give me the Longhorns over the Cyclones. And then our last game here before we go to break, we've got about 45 seconds. Michigan at number four, Purdue, 1.30 p.m. on Fox. Well, you talked about Michigan playing better basketball, and they, they started out the season horrendous, but they're trying to make an effort, Juwan Howard and the Michigan Wolverines. They're playing a lot better right now. But the schedule's been easier. But the schedule's been easier, and they're about to run into a buzzsaw. Purdue is, is a good basketball team. I think their height is going to be hard for Michigan to defend. I think they score too many points. And, you know, Purdue scores 85 points a game. That's insane. You do it because you got 18.3 assists per game as well. This is one of the best passing teams, one of the best backcourts. Their front court gets a lot of attention, but this is an excellent backcourt led by Ivy, averaging 17 points per game. Yes, and Purdue scores 85 points a game. Michigan scores 73. There's a 12-point differential there. Purdue's just going to be too much for Michigan to handle on the road. Give me the Boilermakers at home take Purdue as well on the other side of this break we got Zap Blackerby of Locked on Auburn podcast you're listening to On the Line on on the line Noah Gardner Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106 at Fox Sports Central Alabama fun show so far today if you missed any of it go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast Zach Blackerby of the Locked on Auburn podcast with us today now on the program Zach how's it going man Man, uh, anything to talk about today, Noah? I know. Wild times. The last 24 hours, last 18 hours or so have been a total time trip. What's your take on everything? Embattled Brian Harson. A lot of stuff's going on. We've just kind of talked about what you know, what, what is public. 
What is your take on where everything stands at the moment? Because this really does feel like the ugliest it's ever been. It's bad, man. I don't know. So I just did about an hour-long YouTube Live this afternoon, and one of the questions was asked, um, you know, if there are any silver linings, what are they? And, I mean, you really got to get creative to come up with an answer for that. Um, this is a situation where either Auburn moves on from Brian Harson 14 months into making the hire, and you've got to start over again, when you knew that hiring him would be a process. You were hiring Harson for a rebuild. That's why you got this guy. Um, so you either got to start that over again, and the last 14 months was an absolute waste, or you move forward with him, and there's no trust involved anywhere between Harson and, you know, probably half of the fan base that went after him or Harson and the board um, and, and the boosters. It's, um, it's not a good situation. Both of those options are not good, you know, considering where things were, you know, a few months ago. So um, it's going to be a wild weekend because I think we're going to get an answer to all this by the end, by, you know, by Monday. Zach, Jacob going here. I wanted to ask you, what is your, what is your opinion if all of this, these so-called allegations come out to be false? What I mean, what's the best route for Auburn? Is it to stick, you know, stick it out with this guy? You were just kind of mentioning this, but to stick it out with Brian Harson, even though there may be some disagreements within the program. Right, and uh, Jacob, man, you're doing a good job. I uh, appreciate you having me on. Yeah, so, I appreciate it. Yeah, you know, I think. Um, I, I mean, one, we all hope the allegations are false. I think. Uh, you know, I think we all hope those things. Yes. Um, and if that's the case, um, there's going to be a lot of damage that's been done. I mean, we're talking about people's personal lives. We're talking about, you know, relationships that, um, you, you know, a lot of people listening, are, you know, have, have a Christian faith where, I mean, you, you're, I mean you're talking about people um, breaking some pretty serious vows that they've had to one another. And I, I think we all hope that that's not true. Um, but I will say, you know, moving forward, um, there's, there's going to have to be answers. Like, he's going to have to understand where this stuff came from, I would think. And, you know, Brian Harson's really good at putting his head down and not caring about what's going on outside and just kind of plowing forward. But, you know, at some point, like, it's going to hurt him. Um, one of the questions I was asked to do in my YouTube Live for Lockdown Auburn was, you know, like, how, how does he, you know, if he stays, how does he find an O.C.? How does he, you know, convince folks to transfer after spring when we're all kind of assuming there's going to be another mass exodus of guys after uh, spring training? I mean, there's a lot of questions there because relationships are important. And, um, you know, is Harson um, has he done things to help himself out in the situation? No. But does he deserve everything that's happening? No, and I don't think so. So um, if he moves forward, there's going to be a lot of relationships that's got to get fixed. What things could Harson do to help himself in this situation if it's not too late? So he's on vacation, you know, a day or two after he doesn't sign anyone on signing day. And we all I think we all agree signing day is not what it used to be because of the early signing period. But still, optically, you know, is it a huge deal that he didn't sign anyone on Wednesday? No. I think it's a bigger deal that he didn't really seem to have a plan B for some of these guys who really wanted to come to Auburn and went to Missouri and Miami and stuff. But regardless, that's a different conversation. Optically, it looks bad to not sign anyone and then, you know, be on vacation with your family. And then all, while, you know, Kirby Smart and Nick Saban are talking to, you know, the, the Georgia football coaches luncheon, and uh, normally Auburn always has their head coach there or multiple assistant coaches there if they can't make it. 
Like, that's a problem. Like, that's not a good thing. And then also, when the president calls you and tells you to come back, and he's like, no, I'm on vacation. And that was, uh, that was per uh, an ESPN article that, that was dropped early this morning. So um, those things don't help you, I don't think. I think a lot of this is timing. I think a lot of this is optics. Um, but perception is reality. I think we all agree on that, especially when you talk about the position that you're in. You know, we all know that if you are the head coach of anything at Auburn, you are more than just the coach. I mean, you're almost like a political figure as well. And he knew that coming into it. He was aware of that. And right now, that I think that's kind of the biggest issue is optically all of this looks terrible. Talking to Zach Blackerby of Locked On Auburn here on On the Line. Zach, we've had discussions this week, even before the last 24 hours went down. We've had callers call in, and we've had the discussion as well. What is, what's a, a le- legitimate win total next year for Brian Harson in year two to let him just survive and stay as Auburn's coach? What's, what is that win total, and then what does that look like next year for Brian Harson to be success- successful? So the, the win total for him to not get fired? Basically, yeah, just to survive, not to be, you know, we're not expecting national championships, but just for him to survive. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, we had this conversation, you know, every year for the last several seasons, like of the Gus Malzahn tenure, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's always the caveat of, like, it depends how your losses look and it depends who they're to. But just kind of, you know, big picture, I, I think 8-4 and four is the number. Um Seven to five, maybe, if you can find a way to beat Alabama or Georgia on the road, I think that saves you, regardless of what your record is. But that's going to be tough. That's going to be tough to overcome. Realistically, guys, I don't think this team's better than it was a year ago. And I think part of the schedule is more winnable just because, I mean, it's pretty much the same teams, but, you know, the the home and away stuff helps. You get Penn State. All of your toss-up games, your maybes, you get at home, your Penn State, your LSU, I'll, I'll put Texas A&M uh, as a maybe, but then like you know maybe you'd wish to have the Mississippi schools, uh, Mississippi schools at home, but like you're probably losing Starkville, you're probably losing Oxford, even though Auburn's always kind of been able to, to beat Ole Miss, but you know Alabama and Georgia's on the road, you're not going to win those games anyway, so maybe that helps you, but I just don't see this team being much better than a six and six team in 2022 unless they really just figure out how to, you know, unlock Calzada's potential or, you know, maybe it's D Davis who steps up or TJ Finley, you know, wins the job. Unless one of these guys get really comfortable in this new offense, which there's not an offensive coordinator yet, I just don't really see how it's going to be much better than 6-6. Six and six. Of course, this is underlining a lot of stuff that has happened in the last little bit, but where do you think Auburn stands in terms of an offensive coordinator? I think he's on the roster. Uh, I think he, I think he's here. I think it's Keith Al. Um, I thought that before all of this stuff started floating around. Now I definitely think it because it's a significantly less attractive job than it was two weeks ago. So I think it's Keith Al. Um, maybe if you want to hire uh, a quarterbacks coach, because it sounds like he wants a quarterbacks coach, and Keith Al is probably not going to do that as your OC. But maybe he's your OC with a focus on receivers or bringing in a quarterbacks coach to kind of help with game film, and you can maybe give them a title of co-OC um, just to be able to pay them more money, make the job more attractive. But I think that's kind of I think that's kind of what you're looking at. Zach, let's talk about some of the good things going on in Auburn right now. Of course, Auburn basketball, number one team in the country, coming off a win at Alabama, going on the road tomorrow to take on Georgia. Obviously, Auburn is supposed to win this game tomorrow and probably win it by a good margin. 
but what is your outlook on the rest of the regular season for this Auburn basketball team? There's some tough road games in there, but nothing that this Auburn team can't do. Yeah, yeah, and I think Auburn's in a good spot to potentially run the table. They'll probably drop one, but um, on the road at Tennessee is one that I'm hearing a lot of people talk about. That's actually not the one I'm super concerned with just because Bruce Pearl has done such a good job getting his guys up for that, so I think that's exciting. Um, A&M is interesting. I'm still – this doesn't make sense, guys, and I've been saying it before Florida fell off a cliff, but – at Gainesville, I've just got a weird feeling about it. Um, so that's one. And then, I mean, as far as, like, the best team on the road, it's probably Arkansas. It just depends which Arkansas team you get. I'm sure Noah's talked about that a ton. You know, Arkansas's all over the place. So um, those, are, those are the ones I'm looking at. I don't think Auburn loses at home again. Looking at this Auburn men's basketball team with Zach Blackerby of Locked On Auburn, you had a show with Justin Ferguson recently. Kind of give folks an inside a tease for that podcast. I'm sure a lot of great insight there, especially when you have Jay Ferg on. Yeah, we recorded that yesterday, and uh, I got told I was too negative about like the Brian Harson stuff on the Thursday show. <laughs> and so I'm like, all right, Ferg, we're just talking basketball. And then all this Harson stuff happens. I'm like on Twitter last night. I'm like, just a heads up, guys. Tomorrow's show that's dropping in the morning has nothing to do with this Harson stuff. But, yeah, we talked a lot about this team and uh, some of the guys that are kind of making this engine move that aren't getting the credit. Um, you know, obviously Jabari Smith is important. Obviously Wendell Green is important. Um, you know, Walker Kessler. But Devin Cambridge has been really, really solid um, in his limited playing time. He's doing a lot of the dirty stuff. And it's been kind of interesting to see his – um, career develop and develop the way that it has because I I would have thought he'd emerge as more of a shooter and he's really emerged more as just this athletic guy that's just going to yoke the ball and do the rim if he needs to. And so that's been fun to see. And then Jalen Williams just brings the, the whole team together when he's on the floor because he can just do so many different things pretty well. So um, pretty cool conversation about that, I think, if you're into Auburn basketball. We've got a couple more questions for you before we let you get out of here. My first question to you is, there's a lot of talk about Auburn being able to win a national championship, and rightfully so. It's also fair to look at this team and say, and ask ourselves where they can improve. What is the biggest thing right now that could prevent Auburn from winning the Natty at the end of the year? I think just the nature of what college basketball is. The way the tournament is, you know, the way it's made is the best team in college basketball doesn't always win the national championship. And I think Auburn's the best basketball team in the country right now. So I think if just the ball doesn't bounce their way a certain way in a close game, I think that's it. Um, I think if it was a series and everybody was playing three times and it was the first to two, I think Auburn does win the natty. It's just going to come down to the madness of March when you flip a coin, does it land on, you know, does it land on heads? And I think that's it. You know, unless like somebody gets injured, but um, that's, you know, I I think that's the obvious answer there. This was a question that we asked on yesterday's show. There was on Fox College Hoops Twitter account. They said, would you choose one of last year's final four teams to win the national championship this year, or would you take the field? Of course, Auburn, Purdue, teams like that would be in the field. The final four teams would be Gonzaga, Baylor, Houston, or UCLA. What is your take on that question? Would you take one of those four, or would you take the field? Hmm. It's okay to say Auburn. (laughs) 
Yeah, man. That um that Baylor team was so good last year. <laughs> they were so good. And they're not as good this year. No, they're not. They're not. So I'll um I'll take the field. I would take the field on that just because of the numbers. And you mentioned Purdue as well. They're playing really good. Um, but I mean, guys, I think Auburn's got a chance for it. I, I really, really do. And also, you know, I think Kentucky's got a legit shot as well. They are they are hitting their stride at the right time. What they play Alabama tomorrow, right? They that's do. Gonna be really, yeah, that's going to be a fun game to see because this is the kind of game that Alabama's gotten up for this season. And so I, I think it's going to be. That's going to be a really, really telling matchup about kind of the landscape of the SEC. And it's in Coleman tomorrow. That's that's even tougher is the fact that it's being played in Tuscaloosa. Zach, we appreciate the time that you have spoken with us today. Tell everybody where they can keep up with you, my man. Yeah, Locked on Auburn, wherever you get your podcasts. Also on YouTube, we just had Justin Hokinson on for about an hour talking about everything that's going on today. He's kind of been the main guy reporting all this. So if that tickles your fancy, that is up there. And, uh, yeah, I'm on, uh, I'm on Twitter at Z Blackerby. Gentlemen, uh, appreciate, uh, appreciate you having me on. Noah, sorry for not answering you earlier this morning. <laughs> You're good, my man. It's a busy and crazy day. <laughs> I appreciate you, my man. Hey, talk to you all soon. Bye, guys. Welcome back to On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins, Noah Gardner here with you on this Friday edition of the show. We have just a few more minutes left of the show. We're going to wrap up with Saturday selections for men's college basketball. We picked some games earlier in the show, but we're going to wrap up with Saturday selections. Noah, take it away. Ole Miss at Florida. Mm, man, that's a tough game. We just had Zach telling us about how he's worried about Auburn traveling to Florida. And I'm kind of worried about it. Florida has not played great basketball as of late. Man, I don't man, I don't even know. This what game at 230 on SEC Network. Here's the reality. Ole Miss won this game the first go-round. I think Florida's going to get up for it. Of course, Florida right now playing shorthanded, but they're at home. They just found a way to beat Missouri. You also just don't know what Ole Miss team is going to show up. You don't know if you're going to get the Ole Miss team that has just now rattled off two straight wins over LSU and Kansas State, or you're going to get the Ole Miss team that lost by 18 to Mississippi State, or the team that lost by 11 or 9, excuse me, to Arkansas, or a team that got destroyed by Missouri not that long ago. Which Arkansas, which Ole Miss, which Missouri? There's so much inconsistency with teams like this. And you know kind of what you're going to get with Florida. You're going to get about 70 points a game, and you're going to get some defense. I'm going to take Florida at home in this style of game. They're going to find just enough buckets to win at the end of the day. Ole Miss also just sustained a, an injury with Ruffin. I, they're shorthanded right now on the offensive end. I'm going to take Florida. Yep, you convinced me. Give me the Gators at home. Give us our next game, Big 12 action. Big 12 action. Number 8, Baylor on the road at number 10, Kansas. One of the biggest games of the day at 3 o'clock on ESPN. Oh man, this Bears is so tough. Bears and Jayhawks from Allen Fieldhouse, a tough one of the toughest places to play in college basketball. Kansas is at home. They just got back Igbaji. Obviously, that didn't help Ooh. them for the Kentucky game. They just got back Igbaji. I'm going to take Kansas to win this game at home. That 21 points per game coming back. Also, just for the fact that it's at home. Baylor's a good basketball team. So is Kansas. These two teams are about on the same playing field for me. But it is so hard to win in in kansas I, I just don't see them winning in lawrence yeah i like the jayhawks at home it's going to be a tough game it's going to be a close game it could be a two or three point ball game even a one game one point game one possession but yeah give me the jayhawks at home over baylor have i picked a single road team i picked 
Auburn and Tennessee. And that's I, it. I picked a lot of road teams in the first segment, so I'm doing okay. I'm allowed to pick some home teams this time around. 19 USC against seven. Arizona. Arizona, give it to me. Wildcats coming off a big win against UCLA. They're going to get the sweep of California. Give me Arizona at home against USC. USC's not that good. No, they're not. They're not that good. If Next you just game. watch them, they're just not that good. Next game, my man. Number nine, Duke at North Carolina. One of the biggest games every year. They're going to have the A-team, the ESPN broadcasters. But I just think there's a mismatch here, man. North Carolina is just – they're not it this year. They've got some talent, and they've got some decent wins. But even being at home, I think Duke is just the better basketball team. And um, it's a good game. I'm going to watch it because I watch it every year. But I think Duke wins this game easily. Is Duke it, though? No, is Duke as good as their ranking suggests? They're better than North Carolina. They I are. Tell you and they have more star potential there with Bancaro. But I still wonder if they're it. And it may be a close game just because of who the teams are, Duke and North Carolina. This is always a great game. And the stats go right down the middle, wins, points, and all that. It's crazy to look at it. But, no, give me Duke on the road this season. And they haven't been playing great, Duke has it. But, no. once again, I go back to the star power of Duke with Bancaro beats Baycott in North Carolina. North Carolina's still a tournament team. And they may still find a way to – that. these will still be close basketball games. I, I really do believe that. They always tend well. to be. But I'm going to take – duke to win this one on the road we got one more here number five kentucky at alabama 7 p.m espn man you know what you know how this is going to go alabama is going to show up and play the game of the season for them and they should they should get up for this game i think coleman coliseum well they're not going to be full but they're going to be pretty full maybe 85 80 85 percent capacity but and kentucky is going to play well in this game kentucky is hitting their stride zach just mentioned it earlier on the call zach is getting or not zach kentucky is getting where they need to be they are hitting their stride right now kentucky's the better basketball team here folks let's just get that straight kentucky's a top five team in the country alabama's good but give me the wildcats on the road i just think they're the better basketball team i don't see alabama shooting the lights out against kentucky and following it up with what they did against auburn earlier this week shooting from three and i definitely don't think that they hold the advantage in the front court with oscar shibway on the other side with the inability to score down low, they can't win. Alabama is one of the highest two-point percentage teams in the country, but when they've played teams with beef in the front court, like in Auburn or now in Kentucky, they have not been effective. They were below 40% the other night against Auburn. That's not good enough. Inside the art, that's not good enough. And Jawan Gary and Charles Bediaco, those guys have not been good enough. They haven't. And Kentucky, I think, is going to live in the front court, and that's why they're going to win this game. I just don't foresee Alabama shooting the lights out of the gym like they have the last two games. I know it's easy to get up for one like this, but Alabama already did what they needed to do across this stretch of three games, win at least one of them. They did that against Baylor. I think they lose this one against Kentucky, though, and they dropped to four and six in SEC play yeah i agree and even i could see them shooting the ball well in this game but it shows they had 14 threes against auburn and auburn still beat them by double digits i see the same thing happening against kentucky whether they shoot the lights out or not alabama's just not going to win this game kentucky's too good give me the wildcats at, on the road final take here on on the line final take There's a couple different directions we could go with this, but I'm going to say this. Don't believe everything you read on the internet. That is a fantastic final take, and I will I will second that for your final take. Don't read, don't believe everything you see on the internet or what somebody writes because you truly don't know until we fully know. Here's my final take. We've been talking about it, and obviously there's a lot going on, but if everything comes back and Brian Harson's in the clear, he's the man for the job and Auburn's going to be better because of it. I think Brian Harson will be better because of it. I think Auburn will be better because of it. And I think Brian Harson 
is the man for the job for Auburn football. It's just highly irresponsible for people to run with stuff that they don't know about, right? I agree. And that's where I get that, – that's where I'm coming in. All we talked about today is what we know and what's out there and what's public and confirmed. And that there's a reason why I stuck with that. And I'm sticking with that right now. I just think it's irresponsible with the way that some people have ran with this. And it may be a different story come Monday morning or Monday afternoon on the next show. So the next few days are going to be crucial. But pending any other – you know, pending any information that comes out, Brian Harson is the man for the job. That's it for another edition of On the Line. We'll see you.